Let us turn our Bibles tonight, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, Matthew 14, Matthew 14. Let me also offer my own words of welcome to those that are watching on by way of uh, internet and the different facilities. Trust God will bless the Word to your heart tonight, wherever you are. If you're saved, I trust the Lord will bless it to you. And if you're not saved, it would be the prayer of the congregation here that you might be brought to a saving interest in Christ, even wherever you are tonight. Matthew chapter 14, reading together, please, from verse number 1. Matthew 14, reading together from verse number 1. Let us hear the Word of God. Matthew 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. Therefore mighty works to show forth themselves in him. For Herod had lain hold in John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. And Jesus heard of it. He departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him out on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved of compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Amen. We'll end our reading there. And we know that God will bless the public reading of his own word to every heart. Let us unite our hearts together, please, in a moment's prayer. Whatever words you use in the quietness of your heart, use them now. All too soon the benediction will be pronounced. Public worship will have ended for another Lord's Day. Therefore, use words now and ask the Lord to speak to your heart. Our blessed God and Holy Father, as we approach thee by the blood of Jesus, and in his name and upon his merit, We thank Thee for the value and virtue of the atonement. We plead it now before the throne. We stand into the victory of the cross. We pray against the devil and every power of darkness. We pray that over this meeting in a very real way will descend the power of the Spirit of God. I confess before heaven and this gathered congregation my complete inadequacy and unworthiness to deal with what's before me now in this meeting. Empty me now of self and sin. Forgive those sins, for they are many. Wash me now in the blood of Christ. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and power. Grant that divine anointing to preach the gospel, the anointing to preach, the anointing to hear with profit. Answer prayer now. Let the blood prevail and glorify the Lamb upon the throne. For we ask it in his name 
and for God's eternal glory and praise. Amen. Amen. Tonight, in this evening service in Belfast, Martyr's Memorial, I want to speak on a man, an ungodly man, who tonight, as this meeting continues, he perishes in the fires of eternal hell. He has been there for around 2,000 years. He is a historical character. Many history books he appears in. But he is also a biblical character. Tonight his throne, his kingdom, his battles, his army, his palace, his lusts are just tormenting thoughts that add to the torments of his own soul. He's a man with no peace tonight, and he never will have peace. It was his soul, and God gave him it, and he lost it. In life, he really had all the world could give him. He was brought up and educated in the city of Rome. He was a university graduate. He was the son of a lady called Marthica. She was the third wife of Herod the Great. His father, Herod the Great, gave him the kingdom of Galilee to rule over. In the time of John the Baptist, in the time of our Lord's earthly ministry. But like all rulers, like all men of that stature, they have their day, their years pass, and those years pass as a tale that is told. Many history books are written about such men, and this man appears in many. But tonight, men and women in Belfast, we're going to look at him in the history book of all history books. Bible, the Word of God. Because he appears in this book. He appears tonight as we see him in the page of Matthew's Gospel. And I want to speak tonight on the life and the death and the eternity of a Roman governor called Herod the Tetrarch, the son of Herod the Great. First thing I want to show you about him is his life and his sin. You see, Herod, or Herod the Tetrarch, as he is called in verse 1 of chapter 14, look what it says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch, so there's the man, he's the son of Herod the Great, and he's ruling in pomp and ceremony in the kingdom of Galilee. But Herod the Tetrarch, as I've already stated, was the son of this man called Herod the Great, brought up in Rome, rules in Galilee at the time of John the Baptist's ministry and the time of our Lord's ministry. But Herod, like all men, you and I included, was born in sin, with a nature at enmity with God. He was, like you and I, a sinner by birth, a sinner by nature, a sinner by practice. But Herod the Tetrarch had one awful, darling sin. It was a sin that everyone knew about. It was a sin that was born of lust in his own heart. It was a sin that had a name, and the Bible tells us the name of that sin was Herodias, the wife of his half-brother, Philip. Herod's darling sin was Herodias. 
Historians actually tell us about the two of them. It was a sin he connived to have. He had to have her and she had to have him. But it was a sin that Herod and Herodias were going to find out about that God knew all about it. Herod's sin began with a look, led to adultery, led to murder. But men and women understand this. Herod's darling sin, as we're going to see in this message, there wasn't anything nor anybody could make him give it up. And it was the sin that damned him. Herod, in life, had so much going for him. As a young boy, he wanted nothing. Wanted for nothing. University graduate. Schooled in the best schools. Brought up in the best way. But here we see him on the page of Scripture. And for this darling sin, he desecrates the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. And for this darling sin, he desecrates the seventh, thou shalt not kill. You see, this darling sin of Herod the Tetrarchs was the sin of all sins that he wouldn't give up. And there always is one. There's always one real sin in the life of a sinner with all the other accumulations of sins. And maybe I speak to people tonight in this meeting or watching online, and you have sat in gospel meetings, and you have listened to the gospel, and you have listened to the call, repent, believe the gospel, leave it all behind, and you're prepared to give up this one, and you're prepared to give up that one, and you're prepared to give up that one, and then you come face to face with it. The darling sin. And you can't let it go. And you hold it. And you know that you can't have Christ and it. But Christ can't be had because the darling sin has the grip. My dear friend, for Herod the Tetrarch, it was Herodias. But I tell you tonight, to any listen to this meeting, the darling sin is that sin that keeps you from Christ. Sin of unbelief. Whatever the sin is, Judas Iscariot, was money. Cain, he lost his soul for pride. Absalom lost it for popularity. Herod, it was Herodias. But for them all, it cost them their soul. Herod's life, Herod's sin. Second thing I want to show you, his reproof in life. His reproof in life. You see, for Herod, there was a preacher who dealt faithfully with him about his sin. He was faithful to both Herod and he was faithful to Herodias. His name was John the Baptist. He was the man that baptized our Lord in the Jordan. He was the man that went about crying unto people, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He was faithful to his God. He was faithful to, jo to Herod. He was faithful to Herodias. You see, dear people, understand this. Maybe I speak to somebody tonight. You can look back down memory lane. And you remember men and women that were faithful to your soul. Sunday school teacher. A children's worker. A man over the workbench in the factory floor. Oh, they maybe didn't tell you what you wanted to hear, but they told you what you needed to hear. They were the greatest friend you ever had because they were true to you. 
John the Baptist, he was true to Herod the Tetrarch. He was true to Herodias. Look at verse number 3. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. Herod, she's not your wife. But in spite of the reproof of John the Baptist, Herod the Tetrarch couldn't let go. That sin that cost many their reputation and millions their souls. Again, I say it to you tonight, John the Baptist was faithful to him. He told him the truth. He told him the truth. He was faithful to God. He was faithful to Herod. But Herod's reproof led to murder. Look at verse number 5. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude. Mark's account tells, if I go just to Mark chapter 6 a moment, please. Mark chapter 6, to get the account of it there. Mark 6, verse 19. Mark 6, verse 19. Therefore Herodias, Mark brings it from another angle. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. Oh, she hated the preacher in her heart. She hated the message. She hated the faithfulness of this man. But go back to now to Matthew 14, because look with me at verse 6, because at her daughter's birthday, Herodias puts a plan in place. Verse 6 says, but when Herod's, of Matthew 14, verse 6, when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. And Herod the Tetrarch promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And the plan was in place already. Because verse 8 says, she being before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. Silence the preacher. That's what I want for my birthday. Silence the Baptist. Silence that man that walked around. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Though verse 9 says the king was sorry, historians actually believe that Herod actually liked John the Baptist, but Herodias hated him. For the oath's sake, verse 10 says he sent, that just means he gave the order, go and take the head of the preacher. You see, in my mind's eye, the henchman make his way down the corridors of the castle. He goes down the steps into the dungeon. And there's the forerunner of Jesus Christ the one that made the way, the one that preached in the wilderness repentance, and is there. And the henchman approaches and takes the head of the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Herod's reproof that led to murder, and the forerunner to Christ was silent. That brings me to this, Herod's doom. You say, preacher, what happened? The result and wages of this sin were swift 
and they were judicial. Look with me at verse number 13. Verse 12, in fact, his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard of it, he departed. Now, just pause there. There is far much, there's far more there than geography. When Jesus heard of it, he departed. Oh, understand this. This is more than a physical departure, because this is the moment when Herod and Herodias passed the point of no return. There's no way back after this one. There's no way back after this moment for Herod. There's no mercy for him. I'm going to show you a little later in the message. There's no compassion for him. There's no hope for him. He silences the voice of the forerunner to Christ. Now, my friend, let me say something to you. Unsaved. You drive away whoever you want. You play games with whoever you want. Don't play them with God in your soul, because you'll lose it. Herod the Tetrarch, at this moment when he gave that command to take the head of John the Baptist, verse 13 says, when Jesus heard of it, he departed. Oh, see it tonight. Here's our Lord. John the Baptist has been silenced, and Christ departs. How do we know that at this moment Herod passed the point of no return? How do we know there was no mercy for him? How do we know there was no more hope? Very simply, we go forward three years in the life of Christ, and three years in the life of Herod the Tetrarch, and three years in the life of Herodias. And we come to a judgment hall. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 23, please. Luke chapter 23, look with me there. Here's the same Herod. Luke 23, verse number 8. Luke 23, verse 8. Gaze on the same men and women. When Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him along season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior, oh, the horror of the moment, on his way to die for sinners. And he completely ignores a man, a man that had passed the point of no return. Jesus answered him nothing. The Lord hadn't forgot that sin of three years earlier. He silenced the preacher. He took the head of the Baptist. And what you're seeing there, my friend, is this. When Herod the Tetrarch, the son of Herod the Great, silenced the voice in the wilderness, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, he silenced the Lamb. He silenced the Lamb. 
And there's Christ on his way to die for a multitude that no man can number. And Herod's not in it. He's ignored by Christ as if he doesn't even exist. Oh, do you see that, my friend? John the Baptist, voice in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. And Herod silenced that voice, silenced the cry, Behold the Lamb of God. But when he silenced John the Baptist, he silenced the voice of God to him forever. And now as that same Lamb of God stands at Herod's throne, the Lamb has no mercy. Ignored by God. Think on it. University graduate, the son of Herod the Great, oh, I, tr- I tell you, you'll not get that version in the li- history books in the library. You need to come to this history book to hear about this little narrative. Jesus Christ on his way to die, on his way to save the thief, on his way to shed his blood to satisfy divine justice, on his way to shed his blood, to propitiate divine wrath, on his way to make atonement for sin. But let me be very clear, he's not about to make atonement for Herod's sin. He's not offering payment for Herod's. Herod will pay for his own. He silenced the voice of the preacher. And in doing so, he silenced the voice of God to him forever. He was ignored by Christ. Oh, think about it. That same Savior that said to the woman, Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves. That same blessed Redeemer that said to the thief, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Stood before Herod the Tetrarch. And the holy book tells us, answered him nothing. Herod kept speaking, kept asking questions. Christ stood and ignored him. Let me tell you, brother, sister, every believer in this meeting, that never happened to you or me. He didn't ignore us. He spoke to us spoke to us through his word. He drew us with the cords of love. But here's a man, Herod the Tetrarch, and Christ answered him nothing. Let me say something just at this point. Maybe I speak to one tonight, and you're troubled. If you're listening to this message, and you've maybe been troubled about your sin for some time, you're uneasy, and you actually wonder at times what's happening to me. putting his finger on it. My dear friend, you ought to bow your head and thank God he's still speaking to you. Can you come to Christ immediately? Bow your head. Don't even wait to the end of the meeting. Bow your head and your heart before God right now and cry for mercy. Because there's mercy for you. You're troubled in your soul. You're troubled in your heart. Flee to Christ and flee to him now. 
What about Herod's death and eternity? You say, preacher, what happened, Herod? Historians tell us that in the summer of 39 A.D., six years after the death of Christ and nine years after the death of John the Baptist, Herod the Tetrarch was found guilty of conspiracy in the Roman Empire, treason. His kingdom was given to another man, another man called Herod. You read about him in Acts 12 and Acts 26. But Herod was brought before a body of men. He was going to be banished into exile. Herodias was summoned. She was brought into the room. She was asked, you can stay or you can go. And she went with him out into a pointless existence. So pointless that historians don't actually know when or where he died. He just went out into a pointless existence. But I know this much that a moment of appointment made by God Almighty, he did die. The university graduate, devils came and took away his soul. And I'm telling you something without fear of contradiction. He has cursed Herodias in the fires of hell since because he removed the head of the Baptist. Herod's death, Herod's eternity. I don't know, was he buried or where he was buried? I don't know if he had a headstone, but I thought about this. What could you put on it? I'll tell you what you could have put on it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Brings me finally to this little thought. Herod's future. You say, preacher, what future has he got? He's dead. Oh, he has a future. There's a day coming for Herod the Tetrarch. Because there's a day coming when there's a trumpet going to sound. Christ will return. And he'll bring to a close world history as we know it. There's a great white throne. And it's not in Gabbatha. It's in glory. A great white throne and him that sat upon it was the Lamb of God and is the Lamb of God. And Herod will rise again. And the soul will enter into the body. And the last time he met Jesus Christ, he was the judge. And Christ was the prisoner. But at the white throne, Christ is the judge. And Herod's the prisoner. That's the future. That's the day that awaits him.
The day when body and soul will stand before God, the books are opened as Revelation 20 tells us. And Herod will be cast away forever from the presence of God and the Lamb. But let's just leave Herod the Tetrarch a moment. In fact, let's just leave him tonight. What would you unsay it? Christ has died. His blood has been shed. Peter said it was precious blood. John said it was cleansing blood. But there was only one could say that. This is my blood. That was shed for many for the remission of sins. Sinner, come to Christ tonight. Be saved tonight. It was the very purpose why Christ came into this world, born of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit taking the substance of Mary's womb, forming the humanity of Christ, Christ taking in the union with his own Godhead, a true humanity living for sinners, dying for sinners, rising for sinners. And the message of the angel to Joseph stands true. He'll save his people from their sins, from the penalty of it, from the consequences of it, from the power of it. But ah, my friend, you better, you must come. You must come. The woman in Luke 7 came. Go in peace by faith of safety. Paul told those in the book of Romans, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter told them in Acts 4, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Unsaved friend tonight and martyrs are watching on from your home. Christ, that cross, Satisfied divine justice. Propitiated divine wrath for all that will trust him. But the command of the gospel goes out tonight. Repent, believe the gospel. Come to Christ. Seek him with all your heart. The question is this. As we bring this to a close. There was a question asked in the judgment hall. And I'm going to ask it tonight. And you'll make a decision as they did. What will you do with Jesus that's called the Christ? How you answer that question... will determine how you live your life. It will determine how you die. And it will determine where you go when you die. What will you do with Jesus? It's called the Christ.
not asking you what do you think of the free church? Couldn't care less. I'm asking you tonight, here in this meeting or watching on from the quietness of your home, what are you going to do with Jesus that's called the Christ? There's forgiveness of sin in none other. He's the only way to glory. But he is the way to glory. Millions are there. The land that's fairer than day. Their testimony is Jesus saves. His blood makes me whiter than snow. And he keeps me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. And then, as we saw this morning, he bears us safely over to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sinner friend, what's it to be? What's it to be? Christ or reject him? Saved, lost. Forgiven, unforgiven. Heaven, I pray to God it is. Or hell, I pray to God it never happens, she. Herod the Tetrarch, son of Herod the Great lost the soul that God gave him. Sinner, come to Christ. You say, preacher, I need to be saved. If I come, will he save? Yes. If I come, will he pardon? Yes. I don't think I can keep it. You couldn't. He'll keep you. And they present you faultless before his throne with exceeding great joy. But you must come to him. This Bible tells me of many saved at different times in life. Timothy is a wee boy. Timothy is a wee boy. Saved by grace. The thief, minutes from perishing, saved by grace. Come to Christ. Repent, believe the gospel, and seek him with all your heart. Let us unite our hearts together in prayer, please. And while the Lord's people are praying, let me just say to any here tonight that are not saved, you need to come to Christ. If I can be of help to you after the meeting, we have the Lord's table, but if I can be of help to you after that, you just remain, observe, and then speak to me after. It'd be a joy to sit down with you, open the book of God, point you to the Savior. Maybe you're at home and you're watching this. Ah, friend, listen, bow your head and your heart wherever you are. Seek the Lord for mercy. You have His promise, Him that cometh to me.
I'll in no wise cast out. Father, take your word. Whatever's been of this preacher, let it fall to the ground, for it's worthless. Whatever's been of thee, apply it by the Spirit. Thank thee for Christ the Savior. Thank thee for the one whose blood cleanses from all sin. Apply your truth. Do your work this night and answer prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.